You're listening to a bonus episode of the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Accounting Influencers Podcast with me, Rob Brown. And we are just tapping into the season of events right now. I'm thrilled to have with me today Vipul Sheth from Advanced Track Outsourcing, who ran a terrific event just recently. And it was all about accountants of the future and what does the firm of the future look like. And we've got some of his speakers here. It was quite a varied roster. We had Louise Walpole from Money Penny and some other speakers on a whole range of diverse topics. Vipul, welcome. We're going to introduce your guests in just a moment. But why do you put on this event? Um, hi there, Rob. Um, well, I think first and foremost, we're very much about engaging with our customer base and wanting to give them ideas on keeping themselves at the forefront. We'd like to think that the majority of firms we work with use technology well, they use outsourcing well, and what we're trying to do is keep them at the front of the queue. And um, they'll already be adopting a number of ideas that are shared during the day, but we hope that there'll be a few nuggets that they'll take away and say, you know what, we need to go and do that. This is our project, or there's a couple of projects that come out of the ideas that are shared, one on stage, but actually, the networking that happens across the day um, between the delegates. Uh, so for us, this was our fifth iteration of the in-person. But we'll put a little bio of you all in our show notes for this so that people know who you are. So we don't waste too much time with introductions. You're all very well known in the accounting and fintech space. Ainsley, you are well known for being at the bleeding edge of innovation technology. You were an observer throughout the whole day. How would you describe the general theme of the event? Well, I mean, for me, uh, it, it, the venue was was just stunning. And Vipul does, always does an amazing job of choosing amazing venues. So I think the venue itself was just absolutely mind-blowing. So thanks, Vipul, for yet another incredible venue, especially for your 20th year. So uh, congratulations to that as well. I think that's awesome. How does the venue make a difference, Ainsley? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, look, venue is really important because it's this is about changing mindsets and it's about getting people to think differently. And I think having a venue that's different, a venue that takes people out of their norm, a venue that's slightly just, just makes people go, oh, that's what's really great about having a really cool venue. So I think that was great to, to come to an amazing space and to go, wow, and that's that's a great intro to the day and a great way to start thinking differently about your own firm and your business going forward. Yeah. And quickly, Angela, about the audience, we're very mindful of being five middle class guys on a podcast here, but it was a very diverse event. And tell us a little bit about the audience as well. Well, hugely. And it's just unfortunate that Louise couldn't join us today. So, I mean, that, that's, that is just a shame. We are very mindful and, you know, there is a, a, a diversity and inclusivity is very important to all of us. Um, but the event itself was 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 why I mean there was a, a great attendance. It was across mainly the the larger accounting firms in the UK. I would say um, they are probably the top one hundred firms that were there. But we had a complete cross section of the teams uh, uh, that were attending, and it was great to see so many people who were so engaged and so interested about, especially that topic for accounting for the future. It sounds like an like a, a kind of a, a broad topic, but it was really interesting where the discussions went. 
and what people were thinking about and creating a more sustainable firm in the future, a firm that was going to be more successful, a firm that was going to deal with all the issues and challenges that are in the industry at the moment. And particularly, I'm sure we'll get to talent shortage being one of the, the, the primary uh, challenges. And also that you know age-old adoption of technology and how do we actually change manage this and how do we bring it into play? It's not a panacea. It is part of an overall firm process and it's how do firms actually manage that change successfully? And I don't know, Dermot was certainly talking about that in, in his topic too. So yeah, a really, really amazing event to be part of. Oh, you've been pushing accountants to change and innovate and adapt and sometimes kicking the screaming, but sometimes they've gone along with you for the ride. How receptive do you feel people were to the things you were telling them on the day? I think what's important is the people who show up are welcoming the change. They're welcoming the challenge. So you've got a receptive audience in that context. You know, they've taken, um, you know, an, an extra day out of, you know, everyone's calendar's busy. They've taken an extra day out to um, hunt out the next gem, the next insight, the next piece of change that can impact on their business, their clients, their team whatever their priority is. And so I'd say um, the audience was um, definitely on the uh, top end of the receptive uh, scale. And, you know, uh, Ainsley's point about um, the venue challenging you know, mindsets is, I think, um, can't be overstated on the grounds that actually, you know, the, the, the main content of my piece was you've got to challenge the status quo. And it's what's lovely is you're talking to an audience who've done that by showing up to a brand new different style of, uh, of, of venue and um it was uh you know what it's like rob you know different audiences different tones um uh, the tone was uh, good and you know it's good when you get to coffee and then like vipul says the interaction was there Demi, you've been in this game a long time what kind of shape do you feel the accounting profession is in right now because they're not known for their agility and their willingness to adapt and look forward too much are they well thanks for calling me experience uh, much appreciated um so I, I think the whole term around you know accountants not being adaptive to change is, is you know you have to take with a little bit of salt especially when you've got you know people like uh, Ainsley and, and Ripple uh you know on this podcast you know two examples of people of chartered accountants who, who clearly adapt to change they're probably the early adopters though Demi is what I was hinting at I mean but that, that's that's fair comment but I think as we move um you know through the adoption of of shall we say an approved tech stack then you know and a lot of shall we say zero firms just using zero as a as a kind of broad term to include other vendors um then you know a lot of those firms who you know were the early adopters of the zero um, ecosystem are now moving into areas, you know, such as how do they, you know, keep talent, develop talent, retain talent. Um, you know, they are looking at the whole, you know, hybrid working situation. So in, in many ways, um, you know, having worked with people in the areas of, um, you know, marketing, marketing agencies, then then I don't think accountants are a, are a massive way behind certain of, of those firms who generally, you know, much younger in terms of age profile. And you would assume if you uh, generalise that they would be open to lots of new ideas because, you know, quite often they're not. People, you, we talked earlier about the buzz. Paul mentioned it too. What kind of conversations were you having with people in the breaks and beforehand, particularly the audience that were watching what was happening on the stage? First and foremost, the and a number of firms brought significant numbers of their team members. You know, some brought four, five, six members of their team. So I think part of it was very much about them engaging um, because the, we all as leaders can make decisions, but we actually have to bring the team with us. And, and I think um, a large part of it was about that, but very much the confidence actually that the industry has. And I think COVID's really brought home um, the value that 
we as a profession bring to business owners, um, but equally um, the the talent that is deployed within all these firms has really gained a huge opportunity to demonstrate um, what it's capable of. And uh, some will have stepped up. Inevitably, there'll be a few that haven't. And I think uh, and I think that's really why we you know, the greatest value that we get from the event is that um, the best people are in a room together and they're sharing best practice. And, you know, I went to a client meeting last week, I think it was, and um, a client said that when she was at the coffee breaks, she learned something which she then piped up in the meeting. She, she was a senior manager and she shared it with a wider group, uh, including partners, uh, that from the conference, this is what had happened. And this was the way that the firm should be moving in. So, so when you talk about what are those conversations about, it's actually these things are working really well. We should be doing these things. And I think you cannot put, a, you know, as I said, when I turned up to that meeting, that's when I learned that that was the big thing that she'd walked away with, happy to share with the wider group within the firm. And uh, I think sometimes that's forgotten. And, uh, you know, we can all stand up on stage, but some of the greatest learnings are from each other. Well, let's get a, an insight into some of those learnings. I'm going to ask Paul and, and Demet, who addressed the audience on the day, what they spoke about. And Ainsley, I'll get your views on the key takeaways you got from their talks and anything else. Paul, you've been presenting to accountants for many years on a variety of topics. What did you choose to talk about on the day and what were the key takeaways from that? If I look at every firm over the last uh, couple of years, thanks to the change in the economic status, inflation hitting, everyone's been uh, challenging their firm to price better in order to respond to the inflationary pressures and the need to pay salaries at a higher level and so on. Um, and we're, in, we're entering into you know year two for some firms, year three of price increases. Um, and in fact, I've just got off a call with a with a firm who was actually at um, Vittles, um at, at the Advanced Track uh, uh, conference, talking about that. We feel as though we've got to the limit of how much and how often we can keep upping the prices. And now we've got to talk about how do we demonstrate better value? How do we, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, be crystal clear on the value payoff from the client's perspective, which is a different conversation to just having a pricing conversation. So the, the, the primary piece was, yes, we can talk about the pricing tactics and processes, and we must, they are vital. Getting those right is vital. Um, now we've got to, if indeed we shouldn't always have been talking about how do we articulate value in the client's heart and mind in a better way, which is a different conversation. And as I hinted out earlier in this conversation is how do we challenge the status quo in the client's heart and mind? Because all, we're all stuck. You know, we've all got inertia and actually that's a greater competitor than another firm. How do we tackle that inertia? How do we tackle that status quo so that they go, ah, yes, we need to do something different, uh, which is exactly what Vipple's doing with his conference. And it was exactly the the, the, the kernel of the uh, piece in, in, in the session that, uh, that I ran. And it was just picking up on something Vipple said earlier. Um, the, the firm I was talking to had taken many people to the conference and they'd also taken one or two, um, how do we put this politely, less enthusiastic influences in decision-making around change. And they've come back going, yes, we have got to do this. So they've used, you know, that third-party influence of someone else other than, you know, the, the leader of the firm or a key influence in the firm saying essentially the same things or similar things, but all of a sudden you get past a, roadblock in someone's mind so that all of a sudden there's buying across the firm and implementation's better. And actually it seems we've been talking about pricing forever and it's well known that price is only ever 
an objection in the absence of value. So articulating value for accountants is very, very important. From what Paul spoke of on the day, you were there front seat, if you like. What were your key takeaways? Well, I think it's that that we all are are creating immense value in what we do in a day-to-day basis and that we have been doing this for years. We may not, we may have imposter syndrome ourselves and may not really feel that we're actually delivering a massive value and we might take for granted our skills and our inherent abilities and the things that we can do to help small business owners that they don't they don't know and we don't know what you don't know and we possibly don't know what we do know because there's quite a huge amount of wealth of information and skills and abilities in there so i think it was really key to re-emphasize and reinforce that we have an amazing ability to help our clients dramatically shift their businesses not just and and can i also say it's not just about added value work it's also in the compliance work compliance work is vital and important uh, on, on an ongoing relationship with a client and it's critical that we get that right we may over engineer the process and spend too much time in there and may not price that right or may not show the value in the compliance work that we're doing but it's not just all about added value stuff that we're talking about here it's across the board the value that that, that accountants uh, can deliver for, for their clients i think the real thing on explaining the value is hinting to the potential and working with the client to show them their potential for the future and i think potential is a really persuasive and valuable word it hints to something uncertain that's in the future and something that's positive and i think if we can show and clearly demonstrate the potential not just for our clients but for our firm and our team too that's a dramatic shift in where we move forward. And I think that's that's a key element that we need to work with in the future. And Paul, just to close that loop, you talk a lot about future focus and accountants articulating the value in terms of outcomes and results and better decision-making for their clients and pushing those, those through to actions. That's a key part of your message, isn't it? It is, uh, but also we can't miss out the um, emotional part of that. Rob, you know, there's um, we can talk about the numbers all all day and and the return on investment of making a new decision, implementing a new piece of technology, using outsourcing, but actually there's a um, there's an emotional payoff as well, which is a big component of the value equation. And what what Ainsley's just said is profoundly powerful because you talk to a lot of accountants and they go, "Well, what's your, what's your role?" Say, oh, we're problem solvers, and you go, "Yes." But also your potential hunters. I think what Ainsley's referring to is um, uh, Paul Dunn and um, the, the book Time's Up with Ron Baker. And they, they make a massive point about, yes, problem solve, but yes, go hunting for potential. And in them, those two spaces, you can challenge the status quo in the way someone feels and the way they're thinking so that they make a better decision and as a result, feel better because they have got greater confidence in the future of their business. Yeah, I'll come to your talk in just a moment. But Vipul, what Paul and Angel are talking about here reminds me of the term proximity bias. Accountants get so close to what they do that they don't see it as remarkable. Uh, a plug for your business name there, Paul. But they do. They think it's quite mundane. It's quite ordinary because they're super smart. They're super technical. And they don't realize often what a big difference they're making to business owners. Um, I, and I think that's so so true because a lot of our industry is full of great technicians so they can go to the relevant paragraph and right i know the answer and and it's almost like peacocking they're showing off that oh you know what i know the answer to this whereas actually um some of them are much better than others you know then and lawyers are great at this our profession perhaps less so that oh i know the answer and i can give you the answer in five seconds whereas a lawyer will say actually Oh, that's a really difficult question. I think I should go away and 
um, think about it properly and then give you an answer. And because they come back later and you're then presented with this much larger bill, yeah, then whereas if you'd have given them the answer in three seconds, um, they're all, well, that was three minutes of work. And so why should I be paying lots for it? But actually, it's the old thing about, you know, the guy in the hat with the hammer arriving at the ship. He, you know, it's a pound for the hammer, $9,999 for knowing where to where to hit the machines. And I think that's where we as a profession, not saying let ourselves down, but we're almost too nice uh, in and and want to help. And that's shown, you know, pretty much every client that we work with just full of nice people. And, you know, and, and I think that's, that's why um, there is such a longevity in the relationships that we have with um, with the clients that the, the firms serve. Demet, you spoke on the day with a very well-received session. Tell us what that was about and what the audience took away from that. My talk was around technology, but, you know, for me, having you know been around a few years, um, then not only have I uh, implemented a lot of software projects, but I've also seen you know too many which have not been as successful as possible. So I started off the session with um, talking about a methodology which um, Brian Coventry has developed called Envision, um, which I've used uh, in several firms, and it actually is is quite a deep and intense day, which gets the firm to look inward and look at why you know certain projects haven't worked as well in the past. Um, so one of the stats we uncovered in one of the firms that uh, that I worked with was the fact that there were 33 issues which they identified why previous software implementations had not been successful. And uh, uh, just about half of those were all down to the people uh, within the business. So that's, for example, establishing a process and then the partners coming along and saying, what's that process doesn't apply to me. And of course, that immediately um, screws up the whole of the uh, implementation. And again, if the people who are, you know, working diligently and very hard, um, you know, look upward and see uh, non-adoption by the leaders of the firm, then they're not going to adopt themselves. Um, so that was part of the project. And then really, I gave a, a, a bit of an overview of what's going on in the um, technology space in the UK accounting tech space at the moment. So obviously, um, one hot topic is AI, um, which, you know, if you're a software business and you haven't got your AI strategy in release, then you're, you're certainly out of sync. Um, now, the point there is AI has actually been around a long, long time. Um, just to prove your point about me being around a long time, Rob, I actually joined the technology space in 1992. Um, and uh, at that stage, there was a project being run by IBM uh, called IBM Watson, and that was actually to um, evaluate and, and see how AI could be um, adopted uh, as best practice back in 1992. So AI as a, a kind of technology has been around an awful long time. Um, it's only um, quite surprisingly that, um, like any overnight success, um, well, it needs to be around that time to be into the overnight success, so to speak, that, it, that it's been this year. So we, we touched upon AI, and of course, that will continue to be very um Interesting and influential this year. Um, one of the areas which I like based upon my background and kind of brings out my nerdy geeky side is the um, uh, sweet wars, which is taking place at the moment. Um, so by sweet wars, I mean the fact that um, people such as, well, uh, Iris and CCH have dominated, um, you know, that compliance space for um, the last X years, some considerable time. But they're coming under increasing pressure from people such as um, TaxCalc, and the Mismer and Capium and even Zero Tax and QBA just about to announce at the bottom end. There's people like Silverfin, you know, coming in at the top end. And uh, both Iris and CCH have got to, um, you know, release their new cloud-based versions this year. So uh, I covered a little bit of that. And then, um, you know, also payments. So um, payments, uh, putting my payments hat on then. 
um, you know, there are a range of businesses um, which are doing really well in that space. So Cresco, um, you know, really leading the charge on open banking. You then got other people like Telleru and Credit who, you know, are leading with uh, virtual uh, bank accounts, which enables firms to actually, you know, deliver the virtual um, finance officer piece, you know, and you know, then we have um, Unipass, which, you know, are coming in with embedded payments. So again, payments been a really interesting space at the moment with a lot going on. There's a lot he covered there, Ainsley. And what were the key takeaways for you from Dermot's session? I think for me, because of my interest in change management, it was the change management piece. And it was the, I suppose, the, the way many firms are built to maintain the status quo. So the structures and layers in their organizations are there to prove why this wouldn't work for us, couldn't work for us, couldn't possibly be introduced in our organization, rather than flipping it on its head and saying, well, if we could make it work here, what would we do to make it work here? I think also that a lot of firms try and scale out the implementation instantly. And I think it's really, um, well, it's an impossible task. We need to break it down. And if the first step is here, uh, nobody's going to take that first step. That first step needs to be here and people need to see the paths of the steps to make sure it's, it's an easy it's an easy route. I think also we need to set um, ourselves up for quick wins so that we can tell stories within the firm. We can show how we can build confidence. We can show how it's working, how it could work here. So I think when firms are setting off on implementation, they need to uh, to, to work, as, as Dermot was talking about, on a framework. I've used in the past the, the framework from uh, John Cotter, which is our iceberg is melting that kind of that eight plan step for change management and building all those pieces in between it doesn't really matter what framework you use but it's important that you have that framework in place you don't try and roll it all out instantly you do plan to get people on board you have to do that politic piece and it has to be at play within the organization so i really enjoy that element of it the, um, and, and I think it's it spoke to, spoke to me. So yeah, it was good, good, good. good. And uh, I'm going to ask you in just a moment, Ainsley, to wrap up any other sessions that are not represented today that you feel had an impact on the day. So be thinking about that. Vipul, this has been a really successful event for you. Plans to run it going forward every year and even make it bigger? We've got the venue for next year already in the can, so to speak. So very excited that, um, you know, this far in advance that we're, we've got um, the venue secured. So you know, um, we will be marketing from now to, for those, you know, put the date in your diary. So uh, hopefully there'll be no additional bank holidays, et cetera, next year. That, um, um, uh, But, you know, we, we like to think, well, we, we know the enthusiasm in the room um, right through the day was was fantastic. And, and that's what, we, you know, the bit that gets me up every morning is the excitement that... Um, the firms we work with go and make a difference and go and change the lives of their business. So if, if we keep doing that, then, you know, my job's done. Well, I'm going to ask all of you to finish with a call to arms, if you like, as a reminder to the people that were there and a, a nudge to the people that were not there about what they missed, but some kind of action. What would you have them do? What would you have them think about? So be, be mindful of that in just a moment. But Angeli, any other points that we missed from sessions that are not represented here today? Uh, Jamie from Zero had a, a really good session on the three kind of big issues that you have to focus on a firm. One of them was talent one was reputation and i think the other was capacity and i think those are i, I think yeah good areas to be focusing on. i unfortunately miss louise talk so maybe vipple can can kind of fill or paul is going to fill us in on that so that's that's really helpful i also liked brian coventry's talk at the end i think where he was positioned he gave so much value in there with so many models I think he tried to cover a bit too much. I think there was too much value in there. I think that was a lesson for me going forward is less is more in talks. Um, I certainly know the Americans from being out at QuickBooks, Paul and I will 
laugh at what they might cover we would cover in five minutes they cover they take an hour to cover but i certainly think brian gave so many models in just a short space of time there was huge value but i think he probably needs to to, to do another couple of sessions on those so yeah right coverage would probably admit that he's a wonderful thinker and sometimes a little bit ahead of the game so uh he'd accept that Vipul Ainsley was just saying that there was a session from louise uh, she's on the very cutting edge of uh, reputation for a firm, the front line, that initial experience for people making contact with a firm. What did she talk about? Um, it was very much about the the different ways in which the different generations are engaging um, in communicating with an organisation, um, whether it's by phone. Um, and the, the thing is, whilst the number of phone calls are fewer than perhaps they were before, they're, they're happening for longer. Um, and it's within a certain age bracket. But the younger generation, very much sort of um, app-based, uh, web-based contact, at least initially. Um, and it's capturing that um, uh, at that point to make sure you're you're in the race for that business. Because if you're not, uh, you're missing out on the uh, entrepreneurs of the future. So I think, you know, it was incredibly valuable uh, what Louise was able to share in her short session. Um, and it's based on sort of um, in-depth research that uh, Moneypenny have taken. Well, there's no excuse for being there because you get these messages firsthand. But let's just go around and wrap things up, gentlemen, with any key calls to action you'd love the audience who are watching, listening to be taking to cement this and turn these good ideas and good knowledge into action. Demet, we'll start with you, if we may. So I would say, you know, for, certainly for those firms who brought a, a team or several team members along, then sit down, have a session to reflect, uh, prioritise three ideas and then put a timescale against them and then, you know, make sure that they are actually implemented. Paul, accountants are, are big on professional development, but it's usually quite technical. When you come to a conference like Vipple Organised, it's a lot more soft skills and, and education of a different sort that needs not just to fill your brain up, but to be acted upon. So what would you tell people to do now? I, I just want to make reference to uh, Louise's talk. It's a shame she couldn't be on today, um, given prior commitments, but um, she was asked a question at the end of her session about the culture at money penny and 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 actually what was really interesting is in the coffee break everyone was talking to louise about how on earth do you create a culture like that that's because we want a culture that feels like everyone's engaged to the degree with which the money penny team are engaged and i think you know to answer your question rob it's um as, as you'd expect from me with the humanize the numbers message is is prioritize the people which includes clients yes but includes probably more so the team and creating a working environment that uh, you know is that old adage you treat your team like kings and queens and they'll look after your clients like kings and queens well it seems as though very clearly that's what's going on at money penny and um it was just interesting to see the huge reaction from people almost swamping louise afterwards because of nothing she intended to talk about but just something inconsequential and, you know, people always ask me, you know, in the run up to these events, should we go? And I go, yes, <laughs> yes, just go. Yeah, but I've been, I went last year. It doesn't matter. There will be one simple, elegant, inconsequential, seemingly comment. And that'll just open a door in your head, which you can then implement, whether it's improving the culture of your team, your client care, the use of technology or whatever. There's, um, as leaders and managers of firms, we have to be open, you know, that growth mindset and it's show up and then do what Dermot says, which is have an implementation strategy for sure. But you can't have that if you don't show up. Paul talked about his podcast a little bit there, Vipple, didn't he? Humanise the numbers, which is excellent. 
we can talk about technology and innovation as much as we like, but people, as Paul was saying, is a key part of the message here for future-proofing a firm, isn't it? What would be your final calls to action for the people watching and listening? I think exactly what Paul just talked about. The people are so, so important. You know, we, we've we built a business um, and Vipple on his own could not do the number of accounts and tax returns or bookkeeping jobs that we do every day. And we deliver it because we have an amazing team that are here and in India uh, delivering it for, for people. And sometimes you have to go out of your way to show them that you, you value them. And we all do it in different ways. Uh, it can be simple as bringing biscuits in on a Monday morning or, or being more extravagant. It doesn't really matter. But I think people need to understand that um if you exactly as paul shared there if you do that they will genuinely care um, and you will create that culture of caring within your firm it isn't built on minor things that you do occasionally it's doing those things consistently and and i think if the that is the biggest message i would give to anybody that's trying to grow a business yeah retention is more valuable than any recruitment that you'll ever ever do today and uh, you know obviously we're there to help people uh in many ways but you know first and foremost i'm a product of a great training firm yeah? and there are many firms like that out there today and if they want to keep on that journey uh especially if they want to stay independent and i know we did talk about private equity and various other things during during the day but i would say that is the thing if you want to remain an independent and successful firm grow your people and you'll be surprised how much they'll be prepared to take on. Yeah. And I'll come to you in just a moment, Ainsley, for your final thoughts and actions. But Paul, you've worked with Vipple for some time now as a strategic partner of his. Just give the audience a little flavour of advanced track outsourcing and how they get things so right. Vipple's uh, said the where they care, you know, and I think uh, if there is a, a genuine care for the people, for high standards, uh, you, you ain't going to go far wrong. And I think that's very much uh, how I see Advanced Track. And every person I've interacted with across the Advanced Track team genuinely care about their role, their responsibilities, and their work, and also their clients. Um, and it, it, it's um, there's a humanity to it, which is reflected in the people that he gets to the conference. Um, and uh, that little cameo with uh, Louise it just shows that. It's just almost in the cameo, there was um, um, the people really matter. Let's look after the people. And Ainsley, final thoughts from you. It sounds like it was a wonderful event to be at. And it's we're thankful, aren't we, to be back face to face, see the whites of people's eyes and shake hands. What was your overriding thoughts of the day and what do you think people should do now? The, the comment that somebody else made, and I can't remember it because there's been so many gems here, was that speaking to other firms, like that was, I was very inquisitive when I was, when I had my accounting firm, I was always trying to seek out other people, why they were winning awards, what they were doing differently. It's that peak were... over the garden wall, Ainsley, isn't it? To see what others are doing. Exactly. And you learn so much from others. So I think that that was a really, I think, important element of the day that again, somebody said it can't be you know, underestimated or over, overstated. It's just really important. So that was that was really, really key. I think for me, it was about trusting and empowering your people. Uh, I came from a KPMG background. I'm not saying they had a tape, but certainly they did trust and empower their people because potentially the partners didn't want to do much of the work. <laughs> Whereas we have in smaller accounting firms, uh, partner-led seems to be the, the key theme. And I think, unfortunately, that leads to a ceiling and we need to stop that thinking and we need to entrust our team, trust our team, and we need to empower them to actually 
make a massive difference and give them the tools, the processes, the systems, the scripts, the skills, the whatever they need to be able to take the action they need to do to, to drive both themselves, the firm and our clients form it. I think the big elements for me is the stop the binary thinking. So as accountants, we tend to be focused. So we do this one thing and then we do this one thing and then we do this one thing. And I think that's the challenge because when we're focusing only on this one thing here, we don't know what the impact that's going to have on the other things that are within the firm. It is a an ecosystem. So I think we need to stop this binary thinking and we need to ask how can we do this and this and maybe this too. And it's about little changes, not big changes. So it's little changes that we just turn key and we make massive improvements by making those 1%. So I think that 1% each and every day, I think is a critical, critical message. And I think the final thing though, having said all of that, is just do something. I think a lot of people come back with the big long, I did. I used to have a big long list and I've been there and it, oh, these are really interesting things. I've taken loads of notes and then it sits on the desk on the side of the pile at the side of the desk. And then that goes further and further and further down the bottom of the pile. That's only you that does that, Ainsley. We never do that. Okay. And then you get to the end and go, oh my God, this pile needs to be dumped. <laughs> that list is gone. So please, if you just, just do one thing, I think would be as well my final point. That's very good. Well, Ainsley and Demet and Paul, thank you so much for your time today. And Vipul, we, we, we thank you especially, not just for creating advanced track outsourcing with the wonderful culture that it has, but having the vision to put on an event like this, whose brand has grown throughout the years, and to get four people in a room, just like all four of you are, talking with such warmth and passion about what was clearly really, really successful. You must be thrilled about the future. There are very few people in life who, you know, who can say they get up every morning and absolutely love what they do and you know let it keep going until i pop my clogs i guess but i i don't know i don't know what i'll carry on as long as i keep enjoying it and i'm making a difference and uh you know 20 years is uh we're a 20 year success story i guess overnight success <laughs> well we'll put all your linkedin profiles into our show notes and how people can get in touch with it you're all Superb influencers and experts in your own right, doing amazing things, influencing the accounting profession, being a force for good. We thank you so much for your time, your passion, and your insights today. That's been wonderful. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. 